just had a thought and I lost it. Okay, great. Oh, wait, I got it. Okay. So many. So many. So many. Damn books. Welcome to. Wait, am I, why am I welcoming you to our show? You, you welcome me. I welcome you? Yeah. We, we, yeah. I don't know. We're welcoming our listeners. We're oh, a welcoming oh, bunch. Oh, right, right, right. Welcome, listeners. Hello, listeners. To this episode of So Many Damn Books. Uh, I'm Drew. I am Christopher. And, and here we are in the damn library. In Manhattan. Libraries move. They do. Um, ours is a special library, a magical library. Like the room of requirement, but with books. Yeah. And us. <laughs> um, well, uh, you know, that's a good enough segue into <laughs> what... Uh, what'd you buy, Drew? Uh, in the last week, I picked up a copy of... Um, what did I buy? I picked up... Amber Tamblin's new poetry collection, Dark Sparkler. Okay. Uh, which is... A what made you uh, pick that up? It, a, it looks gorgeous, uh, but B, it's a bunch of poems about female celebrities who have had... who have Most of whom have died or have had very screwed up lives. Right. Um, with illustrations and paintings from like David Lynch, Marilyn Manson. It just seems like a cool pop culture item uh and then while i was doing that i also took the plunge and bought one of the first editions of the new ishiguro the buried giant oh yeah the second editions the first editions have the black edged pages mm-hmm. first edition or the rest of the editions do not oh yeah and it's such a beautiful item with those black pages that i was like even if i don't ever read this i i want this how about you what did you buy uh, I uh, was at the Doctor Doctor reading series at the Mellow Pages uh, at the beginning of the month, and this guy Dolan Morgan uh, read, and I bought his story collection based on just how good his reading was. Um, he read this really great weird story that I think you can hear on the Doctor Doctor podcast about um, a bottomless abyss opening up uh, in the middle of the country. All right, and it and it's just he just. Uh, I don't know. He has so much fun with the idea of a bottomless um, abyss that connects all of our deepest, darkest souls. Nice. And uh, and I also picked up A Little Life by um, Hanya Yanagahara. Lots of people have uh, have been recommending that. I know, including on our own show. It's only Zach told us to read it. And, uh, you know, I'm going to listen to him. I, I'm excited about it. I, I, I liked his idea that it's a more melancholy interestings. Uh, because I kind of like the interestings, but I wanted a little more from it, and maybe this is what I get. Maybe this is this is what I hoped the interestings was. Cool. Yeah. yeah I'm sure I'll read it at some point, too. But that might even jump the queue. Like, I might read that sort of next. That's how excited I am. And I kind of want to be part of this conversation that's coming out right now, because yeah, everybody's, everybody's talking, talking about, about it. it. Yep. We didn't even plan that. Listeners. No, that was good. That was good. <laughs> So, speaking of recommendations, the theme of the week. Recommendations. The theme of the episode, I guess. The theme of... No, yeah. So, t- th- uh, today's topic, this episode's topic. <laughs> this episode's topic is recommendations. Um, during our Tournament of Books coverage, 
we happen to talk to uh, John Warner, known as the Biblioracle, to those who seek out his wisdom and recommendations. And he sort of has made a business of recommending books, or at least a column yeah. in the Chicago Tribune. He does it for the Tribune now. Part of me has the um, re- reaction to him that I have to Frank Warren of Post Secret. Mm-hmm. Uh, why does he get to have all the fun? <laughs> uh, but, you know, I actually am approached for recommendations a lot in my life because people know me as a reader. Yeah, me too. And it is not a task I undertake lightly. Uh, no, it's an it, you got to you got to have a little bit of you can't just be like, "Oh, this is a thing that I like." You got to think about the person and what you know about them. Well, that well, you would hope, but a lot some people I feel like there's a difference between like a recommendation because they loved it and a recommendation because they think you'll love it. Mm. Um and you know, Hopefully the twain shall meet, but uh, you know it's it's not always the way things work. Sure, and uh, when a recommendation works, it's amazing. I mean, I feel like yeah, I've had second dates that I didn't think I was going to have a second date just because <laughs> the girl, you know, enjoyed my book recommendation. Nice. Yeah. So it can be, and it's sort of like I don't know. You're inviting someone to meet you in like a dream space and be like, "What do you think?" Yeah, especially if it's like the one of these books that you just you fell in love with, and you're really hoping that the person is going to fall in love with as well. I think a good relationship can be sustained by good recommendations to one another. I mean, isn't that kind of just what a relationship is at the end of the day? <laughs> no. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> no. I'm trying to do a spin-off uh-uh. podcast, man. <laughs> it's just book recommendations and, and relationships? Well, I meant other recommendations, too. Good restaurants. Oh, I see what you... Yeah. New moves in the bedroom. I oh don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not going to do that podcast with you. You uh, can I do that that's probably with somebody right. else. Um, but no, there's... I, I always... When I first moved to New York, I was thinking that I really need to find, um, when I lived in Santa Cruz, I had this amazing woman at Bookshop Santa Cruz. Her name was Gay, and she ran the uh, young adult section and the children's section. And she was amazing. I would always stop in and say hello to her because she would always recommend me something just absurdly amazing. Uh, what comes to mind first is Jellicoe Road by uh, Melina, uh, Melina Marchetta. And... She always had something like this that was going to blow me away. Another one is um, Hilary McKay's series. I can't remember the name of the series, but the first book is uh, Safi's Angel. And and she sometimes recommended things that were uh, not young adult, but there's these people that you can find. And I sort of went to the Strand first to try to see if I could find someone else that was kind of like that. Uh-huh. And uh, someone recommended uh, Wonder by... Uh, I don't Got know nothing for name. you, man. All right, I might just punch that in later. <laughs> yeah, I went to the Strand and they recommended me Wonder, which was a great book, but I, but I couldn't find them. I don't know, like I, the Strand employees. Like I feel like there's a real rotating cast. Like I n- can never find someone again there. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and so I haven't really found that in New York. My like my like bookstore recommendation guru. Do you have people that you you can go for and they're always right on? Nobody at bookstores, which I think is actually maybe just more a failing on my part. Like I don't go to McNally Jackson or to Word as often or Book Court Community Books. Like these smaller shops that I think have those people. 
Because, yeah, every time I walk into Strand, I'm like, oh, screw it. I'm just going to wander around. Sometimes, I will say, the stuff that they have on, like, the... Here's, like, the Staff Picks shelf. That can be fun. I'll see something. I'll be like, oh, I've thought about this book. And then you read the little comment card or whatever, and you're like, oh, yeah, all right. You've sold me on this person yeah. I've never met before and never will meet. Yeah, well, it's better when it's, uh, it's like at like community bookstore in Park Slope when it's a shelf of recommendations because you can kind of see, you know, the bibliorical thing of like, these are six books. Right. And like, okay, you're on my level, you know, Hugo. Right. I, yeah, <laughs> I read four of those, so these other two I'll probably also like. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, even on the other side of things of recommending things myself, I do have some things that I'm just like, well, everybody is going to like this. Sure. Tell what what are they? Uh, Skippy dies by Paul Murray. I I just push that into everybody's hands because it's just so delightful in so many different ways. And there's you know there's so many different um, viewpoints of characters in it that even if you don't like one, you know it's going to switch soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, or and of course Amy Bender short stories. I just feel like Girl with the Flammable Skirt or Color Master or uh, Willful Creatures. All three of those um story collections are pretty much you know the most uh, some of the most amazing fiction you can read um and and those so i i feel like i i i get a lot of mileage off of recommending those things do you have any uh, perennial uh, i do recs? i think that the the topmost one is a visit from the goon squad the mm. jennifer egan um anybody who comes to me for a recommendation it's almost not so much a recommendation as a have you read Visit from the Goon Squad? And if they say no, then I say, well, that's your recommendation. If they right. say yes, then it's like, okay. Um, I'll, I'll think of something else. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it's sort of, it's also, it's the same thing of before where I'm saying like you kind of meet in that dream space. It's mm -hmm. just like, look, I'm recommending this to you partially because it's like the course of Drew, yeah, Christopher, the course of Drew. Like, yeah. like, like this is part of the syllabus of getting to know me as a person. It's fun, too. The people who I know, their tastes a little bit more. Um, it's fun to recommend things that might push them in an interesting way. I mean, mm -hmm. the number of people I have shoved copies of uh, Jeff Vandermeer's Annihilation into their hands. People who I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work, but if it does, it's going to revolutionize the way you read. Right. And actually, my, my version of that is Stargirl by Jerry Spinelli. <laughs> okay. It's to kind of like, look, this is what... This is like the best young adult novel, one of the best young adult novels ever written. And it sort of is a great way to kind of rethink the way that you read. You know, people who have only read stuff from the 50s or something. Right. Or or, or people that put other sort of like, I only read Russian crime literature. <laughs> I, I will give them Stargirl and be like, look how delightful this can be. Yeah. Look how good reading can make you feel. <laughs> Recommending can be kind of weirdly tiring, though. Like, I'm I'm always impressed by John Warner and how he's able to just do it. Like, to be able to sit there and think about all of the books that you've read. I did it for a little while on my blog. I, like, would ask people to send, like, fill out a survey and then recommend them five or six books that seem to fit that survey. Ah, so you were, you were another person that's like, why does he get to have all the fun? Oh, absolutely. I was like, I am very consciously aping this guy. I'm going to do right, this. Right, right. But it was a thing where, like, it, it would take me 
you know, sometimes a day of like thinking over the things that they said and being like, oh, this book, how do these books all fit together? Oh, and I, I was like, this is tiring. Have you ever, have you ever given a real bum recommendation to someone? Cause man, that is terrible. Yeah. Oh, uh, I've done that before. I keep missing with my dad actually. Oh yeah. Yeah. He takes my recommendations, maybe one out of four. And, uh, man, I have been off and off <laughs> and off with him. Um, you know, ever since we read Infinite Jest together, um, I uh, I tried to get my whole family to read Infinite Jest. Um, it was a slow process where I started by sending David Foster Wallace essays to all of them. And then my dad is a huge tennis fan. So, of course, I sent him, you know, Federer as religious experience and, and all of that stuff. And he yeah. writes so well on tennis. And uh, and then slowly I was like, oh, have you guys heard of this? You know, it's sort of like a, one of those things that is like a secret language of the book world. If you've read Infinite Jest, you sort of understand. A <laughs> you know the handshake. Yeah. Exactly. And so he read that with me and we both were destroyed by it. It took me six months to read. It took him, I think, seven. And he actually finished reading it on a cruise ship, which I think <laughs> is. <laughs> oh, that's fitting. Yeah. But I think, you know. Ever since then, my dad's been a little bit like, is this going to be like that? Is going to be this difficult? Uh, I, I, um, whenever people tell me that they've read Infinite Jest, I always ask, so did you get Stockholm Syndrome like I did? Because I think that book just like kidnaps you and it's just like, uh, you'll like me by the end. And yeah. And then you do. Well, you'll, yeah, because you were held captive. I mean, if you, <laughs> if you read anything for six months... <laughs> If you read anything for six months and finish it, you know, yeah. just to prove, just to prove to yourself that you're not an idiot, you're like, I loved <laughs> it. Uh, I, I'm, I'd be curious, you know, you know, if I could get anyone who says that they love Infinite Jest in like a room by themselves, I would never tell anybody else. What did you really think of that book? Yeah. Because I feel like you might hear some different things than what people say at a dinner party. Oh, absolutely. That's one of those dinner party books. But it anyway. is. Yeah. But, you know, I think that's a good enough um, segue, actually, into our book for this week, our book club book, the So Many Damn Book Club book. Damn. It's a Whiskey Tango Foxtrot by David Schaefer, recommended to us by the Bibli Oracle. Yeah, and um, the most important question with any recommendation, but also with anything that we read... Uh, what'd you think? Oh, I kind of flipped for this book. Um, I just enjoyed every moment of it. And I think partially it was because it was such a great sort of breath of fresh air after the tournament. Yeah. It, it did not read like anything else in the tournament at all. And it wasn't like, uh, you know, capital I important fiction, but it did deal with some really real questions of, of living in today. And the reason why I think it's a good segue from David Foster Wallace is he's getting compared to David Foster Wallace on the, um, on the jacket copy. And I can kind of see it. Uh, my comparison that I w was thinking up on the train over uh, to the damn library was if um, Nirvana is to Weezer. Okay. As David Foster Wallace is to David Schaefer in that, they're kind of using the same sorts huh. of sorts of like things, but but you know Weezer is being a little more pop with it and being and having a little bit more fun. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's a little more easily digestible, you know, than than a than a Nirvana record. Interesting. So uh, 
Yeah, I mean, if if you really love the Blue Album, uh, th- then you'll love this book. <laughs> <laughs> Always comes down to Weezer with you, man. I'm assume I'm just giving you the breath because I'm assuming that you're gonna put a Weezer just song. Just a little bit. Just a little clip. <laughs> Uh, so where are we? Um, I really enjoyed it. It took me a little while to get into. Well, yeah, I think, um, I think it, it's got a bit of a, a learning curve to how he's writing because it's not the normal sort of writing. Um, that no, it's not even like, it's not even normal thriller writing. No, it's just, it's his own thing, which is sort of, it was, by the time I figured it out, I, I, it was such a pleasure. Yeah, I agree. I think it was the, the first... So it sort of follows three characters, and there are a couple of others who get brief uh, over the shoulders. Right, where it's it, they're uncovering this massive information and privacy conspiracy that'll own any data recorded by any computer at all, including like if anyone has a cell phone that has a microphone, they're probably recording that. Yeah, it's that uh, you know, it's the great conspiracy theory of like if Google and the Illuminati all got together right. and actually ran the government, that's what's going on. Right. And so they all come at this, uh, the three people, uh, Layla, uh, Leo, and Mark, all come to this in different ways. Uh, Layla is a nonprofit worker. Mm-hmm. Um, Leo is sort of a dilettante, uh, the son of a of a board game Man, yeah, manufacturer. Board, so um, like a millionaire board game manufacturer slightly unstable yeah and um and he's going through sort of a nervous breakdown yeah and uh mark who's a uh a self-help guru sort of a self-hating self-help guru yeah exactly um and it's interesting i mean like the the characters and the and the way that he created like three separate worlds that they came from was one of the really big pleasures of the book like and i think leo's might have been my favorite me too uh which uh, leo works when he comes into it, he's working at a a, a daycare center. And that chapter was what when I that was where the book clicked for me. I was like, oh, this is gonna be fun. Yeah, yeah, and and just little things too, where he thinks there's a conspiracy going on because he has a a conspiracy blog, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the first things that happens is he misses a stop sign um, because it's covered in black uh, a black <laughs> bag, and ends up like crashing his bike, and he's just like, oh, they did that yeah. to me. <laughs> I mean, I just had the most fun reading this book. It's got like a, I, I, I wrote in my notes here, a Spielbergian array of vehicles also. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> eh? Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> like there's it's like, that's like a, I never realized John Wayne walked like that kind of comment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to watch a Spielberg movie the same way again. Um, there's just like gi- there's gigantic boats, there's helicopters, there's VW <laughs> bugs, there's you know golf carts. Like there's he's <laughs> he just puts them in all of these great like situations for for just bizarre details. And probably one of the greatest ones is the weird growing plant computer thing. Yeah. So it it does get into like some serious uh, some serious mind bending sci fi stuff and the idea that. That there is a, a, I don't know, I guess a bionic, not bionic, a biologic language that we are all capable of speaking. And like, if we could tap into that, it'd be like truly wireless network, man. Right. 
No, Which, yeah. And there's a lot of pot smoking in this book, <laughs> Yeah, too. oh, man. <laughs> that I wonder, you know, how much did he write this book high and then go back <laughs> and edit? Um, I, I actually, of course, I always end up doing this when I'm reading a book um, where I'm just trying to figure out, like, which one is him? Like, which which character is he aligning himself most with uh, uh, David Schaefer? Um, and also, like, who was I aligning myself with? Yeah. And I kept thinking, you know, I don't I think maybe just where I am in my life right now. I just uh, I felt like Leo the whole time. So I liked his chapters the most. I liked his chapters. I felt like they were the most fun. And yeah, well, I agree. I think he's aligning himself. And he has this really interesting um, struggle, a personal struggle of the, the I'm either a genius or I'm an idiot. Mm-hmm. And he's sort of saying, like, I'm either one or the other. And Layla, you know, she keeps pointing to him and saying, like, you can be both. You can do both things. Like, nobody's one all the time. Right. But I, I have that struggle, too, of, of I'm either, you know, I'm either feeling like I'm c- incredibly successful or I'm a complete loser. Yeah. And and waffling between those poles was a really interesting, um, and, and he r- created that so well. Yeah, and I feel like Leo also gets to have maybe the most fun. Like he's just along for the ride sort of where Mark is in this like self-hating spiral and he's like, has no idea what's going on. Right. Leo is just like, he's there. He's, he's in, he's in rehab. He's like, maybe this is all true. Maybe it's not true. Like, I don't know. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I was just, I just sort of really flipped for this book. I, I think that I can totally see, um, why, why John thought we would like this book too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And well, okay. So there's some, um, you sort of talked about it a little bit, but the, um, the counter movement, which uh, Layla, Leo and Mark get sort of wrapped into mm-hmm. against the conspiracy. They have this thing called the eye test. Yeah. And it sort of is like the bionic computer reading you and actually like altering your consciousness yeah, so that you feel like deeply connected to your human beings uh, or at least part of the well, their whole thing is that like it it quote unquote doesn't alter you it just like opens you up to new understanding it's very like neil stevenson-y yeah very much so but so you uh you look at this thing for like 10 seconds or like two ma- like i the the time is a little strange but you look at the screen and then you walk away and you know your number and your number corresponds to everything that's ever created you. And it also means something to the uh, the group. Yeah. It was cool that they gave you just enough information to sort of want to know what your number is. Yeah. But they kept it vague enough where it was like, oh, uh, this could mean anything. But uh, their consciousness was altered. And so my question yeah. to you, my book club question, is uh, would you take the eye test? Absolutely. In a heartbeat. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? In a heartbeat? Yeah. Why? I there's nothing more interesting to me than than gaining knowledge. And this and the, I think that this can represent that, but I also never I think that he did an interesting thing in never really answering the question of whether or not this was just as you know, this was also another way of of, you know, brainwashing. Sure. I mean, there's something the brainwashing thing, it is, and I think it, like everybody's kind of upfront about that, and and all three of our main characters ask that question at one point. They're like, "Hey, how, like, how do I know that you guys aren't just as bad? Like, that your thing is not just as bad as this other thing? It just looks nicer or whatever." Right, right. Um, but also, 
there's enough. I'm one of those people who like, all right, you you're you're you you're better than these guys. So I'm like that alone. The idea of of you know not being a terrifying multinational. Well, it's it's scary too. Well, I think what it is that makes me pause is that you wouldn't be able to join the the counter movement without doing the eye test. Uh. And so that you know, I think that that was really interesting. And you know, whether or not you would take it is is a is a question. To be just because I think it's like, are you willing to be ready to see the light? Or are you also ready to give yourself up to something like this? Well, I mean, it's it's my favorite scene in the Matrix. It's the red pill, blue pill moment. Right. And you know, it does it does take a certain level of consideration and a knowledge that you can't go back from it, which is always interesting because I think you'll always think about that. I think it kind of something that Schaefer was pointing at was you're you're even when you're doing well, you're you're pretty much one step away from doing not that great. You're always like one step away from making a decision that's going to change your life. And like, I think that he, the way that I test worked in the book as like a plot device ended up showing like just how desperate they were to make a connection to people again. Mm. Cause they, they would get more and more isolated. Right. I mean, the technology is so great. What we can do right now, we have the ability to speak and see people halfway around the world. Right. Right. But there's, like there's a third party involved. There's you don't know who's watching, or even if even if let's assume that everybody is good, that nobody is watching. There's still this this thing. There's a third thing involved, right? Um, and, and that will just never like, replace like you and I sitting here across a room from each other. Yeah, yeah. And what I think the book kind of does is examines that without answering the question. Yeah. Yeah, and it does it really well. He very much avoids answering nearly any question. So, but my yeah, and and I don't think it's a, a spoiler to say that the end of the book is a kind of nice sort of question. You don't you don't see like you don't. Well, John mentioned it. He was like the book sort of. He wants there to be a sequel just because he enjoyed it so much. Right. He said that to us, and I've seen a couple people say that online. Uh, but when I was I, thinking, I think of it's it, done though. I, I think I'm. I think I had enough. Yeah. Because it was more about th- a character making a choice for themselves r- and, and making the right choice for themselves, rather than like a funny action sequence. Right. There's something very intriguing when a book is all rise. It's all build, and then it leaves you. When it's done well, like this, it's like there are books where it leaves you, and you're like, oh god. Uh, uh. But a book like this, or like Fahrenheit 451, or uh, Edward Abbey's The Monkey Wrench Gang, where it, like, it sort of builds to this point, and the thing is about to happen. Like We don't know what's going to happen to our heroes. They are on the verge of this thing. Everybody has come together, and they like they ride off into the sunset, kind mm-hmm. of. Even mm-hmm. though the sunset is like a question mark, as opposed to sort of the happy ending. Yeah, I don't know. I... Uh I think we can basically say go out and read this book because it's yep it's amazing and it definitely deserves a really wide audience because it's so strange with so many little parts to it that are coming back to me in little you know asides just because like there's this main driving plot but there's a lot of time that he takes to sort of develop other little ideas that he has yeah it's a very fully realized world yeah 
Yeah. Wow. Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Thanks, John. Thank you, John. Bibli Oracle strikes again. Um, so now it's it's time it's time for our recommendations. Uh, yeah, recommendations. I know we've talked about a lot of books already, um, some of the perennial recommendations, but uh, I'm going to recommend, and I've already talked about it a little bit, but uh, Miranda July's The First Bad Man. It is sticking with me in a lot of ways, one of which is I really want to wrestle somebody. <laughs> okay. Uh, and if you want to know why, read the book. All right. That's my recommendation. That's actually, that's a real good pitch, man. Thank you. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I'm going to recommend a gigantic book, uh, China Mieville's Perdido Street Station. Oh, yeah. You've been flipping for this thing. Yeah. It's the first book in a sort of loosely connected trilogy. Uh, it's, you know, nearly 900 pages. It's sort of an epic fantasy, but as with any Mieville, there's nothing... It, it's not just one thing. He's dealing with like serious metaphysics in a way that he clearly like did his research on metaphysics That's cool. in the middle of this tremendous world that he has built, this fantastic world called Baslag and the city New Crabuzon. And it like it's it's terrifying, it's exhilarating, and it's perfectly paced. It's the first time in a long time that like a nine hundred page book I wouldn't cut any of it. He kept me in it the whole time. Who who should read this book? Like, who, what, someone who like this should read what? Or, you know what I mean? This is the sort of book where if you don't like world building, like, or if you don't like the sort of fantasy that spends its time developing the world as a character, you don't want to read this book. But if you're somebody who has read even just casual fantasy, or you want something where there's a world that you can go live in for a while even if it's going to take you 6 months to read it mm-hmm. it's the sort it, like it's that sort of book you okay. need to have some time to commit to it but it's worth it sounds good to me very good um so next time for the so many damn books completists uh we are going to be discussing Mrs. Dalloway with a very special guest yeah um so so crack out your classics yes crack out your classics <laughs> So many damn books. Crack out your classics. 